I would like for you to take an imaginary trip with me. Let's turn back the clock to 1965. (laughs) You're sitting in your easy chair and you're watching one of the year's most popular sitcoms in black and white, of course. Leave it to Beaver. (laughs) It's a typical episode. June has just tidied up the house a bit, fixed dinner from scratch, and in her dress and apron has just greeted Ward as he arrived home from work. And as the plot unfolds, Beaver's teacher calls from school to report that he's been in a little bit of trouble that day. He forgot to raise his hand before speaking in class. And to top it off, he was found chewing gum on the playground at recess. Wally's forlorn and is struggling with guilt and needs to talk with his dad because as the story reveals, he had lied a couple of days earlier in order to impress a certain girl. Ward then gives his son fatherly advice on integrity and how to get along with the opposite sex. And then the next day, June accompanies Beaver to school to handle the disobedience issues appropriately. Now imagine... As you are watching this very, very typical episode, that you drift off to sleep. Not just the usual cat nap, but a sleep like you have never slept before. A Rip Van Winkle sleep. And 50 years later, you wake up. It's now 2015. You're still sitting in your easy chair, but now you're watching high-definition 3D television with THX surround sound. And one of the year's most popular sitcoms is on, and to make it even more exciting, it's animation. Oh, how you used to love those cartoons when you went to the double feature at the local theater back in 1965. Then you see the title of the show. Family Guy. Well, that sounds like a pretty safe program. So you settle down to watch a typical weekly episode about the Griffin family. Peter, the father, has had a few too many drinks at the local pub, The Drunken Clam, and is getting an earful from his nagging wife, Lois. 18-year-old Meg is trying desperately to fit in with the college scene while family friend Quagmire is trying to seduce her. Meanwhile, as the plot unfolds, Stewie, the wise-cracking homosexual toddler who is bent on world domination, is looking for an opportunity to kill his mother. But Brian, the family dog, who talks, intervenes while sipping his martinis and continuing his weekly bashing of anything that has to do with Christianity. About this time, you're thinking to yourself, what in the world happened? I mean, I know I've been asleep for 50 years, but how did we get to this? And the answer, of course, is that we have lost our sense of right and wrong. We have experienced the decay of our moral foundations. We have forgotten our authoritative source of truth and 
values. In two words, no boundaries. No boundaries. In a nutshell, we have fallen prey to three destructive philosophies in our society today. The first is individualism. Individualism says I live only for myself. Only I can determine the standard for my life. Only I can judge what is really truth. Only I can decide what is right or wrong for me. Nobody else can tell me what to do or what not to do. I call this internal boundaries, the voice inside me. Boundaries are determined only by what I say. It's the same philosophy that the nation of Israel fell prey to in Judges 21 and verse 25. In those days, Israel had no king, so the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And what a mess that was. Individualism. Internal boundaries. The voice inside me. What I say. The second philosophy that we fall and pray to is humanism. Humanism says God is unnecessary. There's no higher authority than humankind. Only people can set the standards for conduct and character. Only people can decide what is right or wrong. Only people can judge what is acceptable or unacceptable. It's up to the majority to determine the rules. And so we've got to go along with the crowd. I mean, if everybody's doing it, then it must be okay. I call this fraternal boundaries. The world around me. The boundaries are determined by what the majority says. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 1. He says they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all but were illiterate regarding life. It wasn't long before they were living in a pig pen smeared with filth, filthy inside and out. All this because they traded the true God for a fake God and worshipped the God they made instead of the God who made them. Humanism. The world around me. What the majority says. The third philosophy we fall and pray to is relativism. Relativism says there are no absolutes. What is right or wrong for me may not be right or wrong for you, and what is right or wrong for you may not be right or wrong for me. Nobody can establish what is acceptable or unacceptable because all truth is relative. I choose what I do, say, or think based upon the circumstances in my life at any single moment in time. I call this external boundaries, the conditions upon me. The boundaries are determined by what the particular situation says at that moment. Groucho March used to say, these are my principles. If you don't like them, I have others. <laughs> And we laugh at that, but the reality is that's relativism. <laughs> the Apostle Paul warned us about this philosophy in Ephesians 4, 14 and 15. We will no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe. Instead, we will lovingly follow the truth at all times. Don't miss that phrase. Forever changing our minds about what we believe. Relativism. External boundaries, the conditions upon me, whatever the situation at hand says. Individualism, humanism, relativism. Again, in two words, no 
boundaries. Proverbs 22 and verse 28 warns us about this. In fact, let's read this out loud together. Would you read this with me? Do not move the ancient boundary marks. But you see, that's the root problem in our society today. We have moved the ancient boundary marks. We've abandoned the timeless standards that were established in centuries past. We've turned from the ageless foundational principles that the Creator Himself provided for our welfare. X, the Roman numeral 10. How God's people live. This morning we begin a new series of lessons that will reacquaint us, I think, with the 10... Commandments, And over the next three months, we'll be rediscovering God's top ten list. His moral principles for abundant living. And each lesson will follow the same simple outline. You'll see it in your notes this morning. We'll begin with the approach. We'll introduce each lesson with a broad picture of that lesson's theme. Then we'll talk about the boundary. We'll dig into the Scripture to gain a better understanding of the particular principle at hand that day. And then go to some conclusions. We'll offer some practical applications for day-to-day living. And end with a decision. We'll challenge each of us to make a specific commitment to some kind of action. X. How God's people live. In today's lesson, let's just lay an overall foundation for the individual commandments that will follow in the weeks to come. And so follow along in your Bible as I read the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, we pick it up with verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before Me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but He rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, as an introduction to these boundaries, let's begin with a little bit of background. The Ten Commandments, also called the Testimony or the Decalogue, 
were given by God through Moses on Mount Sinai as a part of the old covenant between God and the Israelites. The entire story is recorded in Exodus chapters 19 through 34. You'll recall that Moses had to receive these commandments from God twice since the first tablets of stone were broken by Moses in his anger at the Israelites for making an idol, a golden calf, remember that story? And worshiping it while he was up on the mountain with God. Now, the Bible records these Ten Commandments here in Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17, and again in Deuteronomy 5, verses 6 through 21. We're told in Exodus 31 and verse 18 that these commands were literally inscribed by the finger of God Himself on stone and that the tablets themselves were kept inside the Ark of the Covenant as a memorial of God's covenant agreement with His people. Now, of course, these Ten Commandments were not the whole law of God. For his people. The books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy give many other moral, judicial, and ceremonial laws that were to govern the character and conduct of the Israelites. All of these in their entirety made up what was called the Law of Moses or the Old Covenant. However, the Ten Commandments seem to be the foundational precepts, the basic life principles, if you will, upon which all of the other laws were built. And thus they were given special respect by the Israelites. Now, the question is sure to be asked, are the Ten Commandments for us today? Are the Ten Commandments for us today? I believe the most correct answer to that is no. And yes. (laughs) Let me explain. First, the no. The Ten Commandments are not meant for us today as a binding covenant. We are no longer under the old covenant, the covenant of law given through Moses. We are now under the new covenant, the covenant of grace given through Jesus Christ. Romans 10 verse 14 tells us that Christ is the end of the law. In Colossians 2 verses 13 and 14, Paul puts it this way, He forgave us all our sins having canceled the written code with its regulations. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. So, are the Ten Commandments meant for us today? No. Not as a binding covenant with God, or if you want to just simplify that, not as a means by which we can be saved. Second, the yes. The Ten Commandments are meant for us today as a moral code of ethics. Although they are not binding upon us as a covenant, these boundaries are in fact timeless principles for abundant living. Jesus Himself said in Matthew 5.17, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. That word fulfill there means to give full and complete meaning to. You see, these Old Testament commands are reiterated and reinforced by Jesus and the apostles in the New Testament. I mean, should God still have first place in our lives? Of course. 
Should we still avoid idolatry in its many forms? Of course. Should we still be careful not to misuse or abuse the name of God? Of course. And on and on we could go through this entire list and it becomes quite obvious that these commandments are just as relevant today as they were 3,600 years ago when they were first given to the Israelites through Moses on Mount Sinai. So are the Ten Commandments meant for us today? Yes, as a moral code of ethics, as boundaries for us to live by. I guess we could summarize it this way. We obey the Ten Commandments today not to be saved, but because we are saved. We obey the Ten Commandments today not to be saved, but because we are saved. Not because they were a part of the Old Covenant written on stone, but because they are a part of the New Covenant written on our hearts. Look at what God Himself said, Hebrews 10 and verse 16. Let's read it out loud together. Would you read this with me? I write my laws into their minds so that they will always know my will, and I will put my laws into their hearts so that they will want to obey them. Now, with this background in mind, then let's talk for a moment about the benefits. What are the rewards to be gained from learning and applying the Ten Commandments to our lives today? What will you and I gain if we live within these boundaries that God has set for us? Well, the Bible mentions at least five benefits of these Ten Commandments. The first benefit is direction. The Ten Commandments give us direction. In fact, the symbol here that I would use would be that of a map. The Ten Commandments are a map for our lives. They show us how to navigate through the life that we are living. Psalm 119 sums it up so very well. And it says, God, teach me lessons for living so I can stay the course. Give me insight so I can do what you tell me my whole life. One long, obedient response. Guide me down the road of your commandments. By your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. You see, they are for us a map. They give us direction. They tell us how to go and where to go, how to get to where we are going. Direction. Second benefit of these Ten Commandments is protection. Protection. And for this I use the the symbol of a fence. (laughs) A fence is there to protect us. In Deuteronomy chapters 5 and 6, It tells us, you must carefully obey the Lord's commandments. Follow them because they make a path that will lead to a long, successful life. That's why the Lord our God demands that we obey His laws. If we do, He will protect us and help us to be successful. And so, the Ten Commandments are to us a fence, if you will. Now, let me talk about that for just a moment. Because there's two perspectives we can have on a fence. Follow my thinking on this. If we're inside here, and let's just pretend there's a fence all the way around us, there's two ways of looking at that fence. The first way of looking at that fence is that that fence is restrictive. (laughs) And our human nature is stomp our foot and say, I am not going to stay on this side of the fence. I want the grass that's greener on the other side of the... Isn't that our carnal nature? 
Somebody draws a line. What do we want to do? We want to step over it. Yeah, because we want to see what's on the other side of that line. And so sometimes when we're inside of a fence, we think that fence is restrictive. God, are you some kind of a cosmic killjoy? I mean, I want to live on the other side of that fence because on the other side of the fence, that's where all the fun must be. But that's the wrong way to look at a fence, isn't it? The right way to look at a fence, in this case the Ten Commandments, is that they are protective. A fence is protective for us because God established these boundaries. We talked about no boundaries earlier. God established these boundaries because He knew that if we get outside those boundaries, we're going to come to harm. God, the one who created us, knows how life works best, and so He established this fence around us for our protection because He knows if we get outside that fence, we will come to harm. And He does not, as a loving God, want that to happen to us. And so these boundaries are established for our protection. The third benefit of the Ten Commandments is affection. Affection, and it's illustrated by a heart. We usually don't think of these Ten Commandments. We think of them as kind of dry, old, dusty commands written on tablets of stone, or, you know, they show up on our courthouse, although everybody's trying to get them out of the courthouses, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. We think, you know, these old fashioned things, you know, but they are really there for our affection. They have to do with our heart because they have to do with our relationship with God and our relationship with with others in our lives. Jesus summed up the Ten Commandments this way, in fact, in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. He said the Ten Commandments can be summed up this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And notice what he said. All the law and the prophets. In other words, all these commands that God has given us hang on these two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. And so we must look at these Ten Commandments as commandments of affection. In fact, as we work our way through these Ten Commandments together, you're going to discover with me that the first four of the commandments deal with our vertical relationship with God, how we are to love God. Whereas the last six commandments deal with our horizontal relationships with others, how we are to love God. Others. Isn't that interesting? And so loving God, loving others. That's what these Ten Commandments are all about. The heart. Affection. The fourth benefit of these Ten Commandments is inspection. They are here for us to inspect our lives. And so the symbol here is a mirror. What do we use a mirror for? We look in the mirror to see, you know, is our hair out of place? Mine's always out of place. Is my hair out of place? You know, we need to straighten the collar. You know, I got something on my cheek over here. I need to get that off. You know, we look in a mirror, what? To, to make sure everything's the way it ought to be and everything's in order, right? It's for our inspection. James 1, verses 23 through 25 says, If you hear the Bible's message and don't obey it, you are like people who stare at themselves in a mirror and forget what they look like as soon as they leave. But you must never stop looking at the perfect law, at the mirror, God's Word, that sets you free. God will bless you in everything you do if you listen and obey and don't just hear and 
forget. And so these Ten Commandments are here for us for inspection. They are a mirror. We're going over the next you know, 10, 11 weeks here, we're going to be looking into this mirror of God's Word and we're going to see, is there anything amiss? Are there any boundaries that I've stepped over? Are there any things that are out of place in my life that I need to straighten up? It's for our inspection. And then fifth, the fifth benefit is connection. Connection. And the illustration that I would use here is that of a teacher or a tutor. In fact, read Galatians 3 and verse 24 out loud with me. Would you read this with me? The law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Isn't that interesting? The law... In this case, we're talking about the Ten Commandments. Is a tutor to us. It's a teacher to bring us to Christ. Well, how does that work? Well, let me ask you this. Do any of you keep the Ten Commandments perfectly? No. None of us do. We try. and Boy, the Israelites tried. Kind of. And, and you know, they, they tried to keep these Ten Commandments. We try to keep these. None of us keep these Ten Commandments right. And we get frustrated and we go, man, I can't do this on my own. Bingo! <laughs> That's the whole purpose of these Ten Commandments to show us that we need a Savior. We can't do it on our own. We need a forgiver in our life. We need the Lord. We need the leader of our lives to step in because we cannot do it on our own. They're a teacher, they're a tutor to bring us to Jesus Christ. So, what are the rewards to be gained from learning and applying the Ten Commandments to our lives? What will you and I gain if we live within these boundaries that God has set for us? The Bible mentions at least these five benefits. They give us direction. They're a map to show us where to go. They are for our protection. They're a fence to protect us from Harm. They are all about affection. They're a heart to deepen our love for God and our love for others. They are for our inspection. They're a mirror to help us see what changes are needed in our lives. And they are for connection. They're a teacher, a tutor to bring us to Jesus Christ. Which brings us then to today's conclusions. As we wrap up this introductory lesson today, I want to challenge you to join me in doing one thing this week and then three things every week (laughs) over the course of this study series together. And so over the next three months, would you make a commitment? Would you join me? I'm going to make these commitments. I'm asking you to join me in making these commitments. First of all, this week, would you join me in reading Exodus chapters 19 through 34 at least once? During the course of this next week, I'm asking you to read Exodus chapters 19 through 34 so you can get the big picture of this entire event as it unfolds in the Old Testament. Now, I suggest to you, if you if you want, maybe you might want to read it in a couple of versions. Read it in. Um, a modern version like the Living Bible or the Message or something like that might give new meaning and new life to you and help you to understand some of the other laws that are mentioned in and around the Ten Commandments themselves in those chapters. But read it at least once. Everybody, let's read it at least once this coming week. If you take two chapters a day, you can get through it in the week. Okay. Secondly, every week I'm going to ask you to memorize 
the verses, the commandment that we studied on that particular Sunday. So like next Sunday, we're going to start with the very first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. That's a pretty easy one to memorize. So that's a good place for us to start. But, but I'm going to ask you in the week that follows that to memorize that particular commandment. Now, some of them get a little long, and so what we're going to do is we're going to shorten them to the context of what we need to memorize. Okay, so I'm going to make it easy on you. I've made a commitment to memorize the whole thing, but I'm going to ask you to just memorize a short portion of the longer ones. And so I'm asking you each week, let's commit these Ten Commandments to memory. Okay? The next thing I'm going to ask you to do is to discuss the commandment that we talk about. So like next Sunday we talk about you shall have no other gods before me. I'm going to ask in the week that follows that you discuss that commandment over and over again with your family and friends. I mean, say, hey, at our church we're talking about the Ten Commandments and our pastor just preached about, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. What do you think that means? What do you think God was asking of us when He gave us that commandment? You'll be surprised at some of the answers you'll get. It will give you an opportunity, an open door to talk with them about these things. It's kind of a harmless way to be able to witness to other people. And so I'm going to ask you to join with me in discussing these commandments with those who are around you. And then every week I'm going to ask you to apply the commandment. So like after next Sunday's sermon, you shall have no other gods before me. How does that apply to your life on a daily basis? Are there any places in your life where you may have other gods before the God? I mean, what, what things as you're looking in the mirror do you need to get back in place because of that particular commandment? And look for ways that you can practically apply that commandment each and every week. And so, four things. First, this week, read Exodus 19-34. through 34, And then every week, I'm going to ask you to memorize, discuss, and apply the commandment that we study on that particular Sunday in the following week. X. How God's people live. This morning we've introduced the Ten Commandments, God's timeless principles and boundaries for abundant living. And in the Sundays to come, we're going to be looking at each of these Ten Commandments in greater detail one at a time. And at the end of each lesson, I'm going to ask you basically the same decision question every Sunday. And that is, what is the main point of today's lesson? And how will it impact me personally this week?